Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We are so glad to have you. We're excited about our show, excited about all things real estate and mortgage. And we have uh, with us uh, Ralph DeFranco, uh, Dr. Ralph DeFranco. He is the Global Chief Economist, uh, Mortgage Services, Arch Capital Services. And we are thankful to have you. Thank you so much, Doctor, for coming into the the, um, housing hour today. Well, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. And as for those people who don't know, let me just reset exactly who this gentleman is. Uh, He is an economist, of course, but he helps to write for um, this great uh, service that that is provided to all people who are interested in it, that are in the mortgage business, the real estate business, and it's, it's dubbed the hammer. So it's the housing and mortgage market review. So the fall 2017 edition has obviously been out, and we're going to sort of unpack it a little bit for people. There's a lot of exciting things happening, a lot of things that um, we want everyone that is in our area to know about. It kind of is a good book in to what we talked about last week with Holly mm-hmm. as well. Um, we had Holly in from uh, the Holly McRae group um, through Keller Williams, and uh, um you know, one of the things that everybody's talking about right now, and I'll, I'll get you to sort of give us the overview, um, is there's this question, you know, housing, is there going to be a bubble? Is there going to be this this pent-up demand that's going to all of a sudden, you know, create this housing bubble? Um, talk us through what your just initial thoughts are on those people's thinking with the bubble. Sure, be glad to. So. Housing is very strong, and it's going to continue to stay strong, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I think it's still a great time to buy a house. Places like Knoxville, it's just incredibly strong housing market. There's not a lot of inventory out there. Uh, v- right. Very tight by historical standards. Housing prices were up 5% last year, similar amount the year before. I really think it's, it's probably going to continue to go in that direction for the next several years, just because the labor market is so strong. Unemployment rates at record lows there. It's 2.7%. It's, it's unbelievably strong job market. You know, it was a little bit, it was hard to see it coming because it took so long to get here. It was, it was a bit like the frog in the boiling water. We don't <laughs> notice it's getting a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. The economy slowly built up, and now the job market is actually strong. It doesn't really, it hasn't really changed where everybody's getting good wage uh, increases, so it's not uh, overheated yet, certainly. It's certainly not as doesn't feel as good as it could, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not a bad time to be looking for work, uh, and it's also um, or to switch jobs. But that strong job market really is what powers the housing market. So mm-hmm. we have a strong housing, uh, strong um, job market that's translated to very strong housing market, and it's not going to change in the foreseeable future. And you know, we you, know, you can't predict shocks like a war or something like that, but. The, on the horizon, the baseline scenario is nothing but strong home price growth in the next several years. Dr. So DeFranco, yeah. uh, let me ask you, why hasn't the wages kept up with the decrease right. in employment? Yeah, there's a lot of research on that. The, one is, is unions are weaker. Employers are in a stronger position. They've, um, 
in part because the labor markets are global. So it's hard, it's harder for labor to to uh, workers in a, in a car factory, for example, to demand higher wages when they can shut down this plant, move it to another city or another country. So that's that's been keeping wages down. Now, with that in mind, you know this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, hopefully, one of the things that uh, the administration that's currently in place, one of their goals, of course, is to try to keep more jobs here in the states. You know, and that's sort of a double-edged sword because if you keep jobs in the states, you're going to have to pay them higher wages than you would if you sent them to another country like China um, because mm-hmm. of the wage gap. So I guess there's a balancing um, that has to occur. And, of course, the Donald thinks that he has it all figured out. But the fact is, if you're going to keep wages high, um, there's there's a flip of the coin. You have to, okay, we're going to keep wages high, but what about services and goods? Are you going to keep those low and, and be able to have all this entire job ecosystem work together? There's a lot of moving parts, isn't there? There is. Some, some of the proposals like lower corporate tax rate will help the economy, mm-hmm. and they certainly have... Um, he certainly doesn't mind trying to bully companies into keeping jobs here or moving jobs here. So, so there's some <laughs> that's true uh, additional pull. It's also uh, Americans are very productive, and 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 so there, this is a not a bad place to manufacture things. I, I think we we let too many manufacturing jobs get away um, mm. in previous decades. We you know Germany's always kept their manufacturing base. They they managed to compete against the Chinese. Why why didn't we do a better job of it? So. Yeah. There's there's more that can be done here, and so it's good to see an administration that's, that's taking that seriously. There's there's also, and, and this is a part of the economy, so it's a good piece to sort of sink into just for a moment, because you think about non-manufacturing jobs, and, and I, I use ESPN as an example, and this isn't my view necessarily, although I do have, I do share some of it, but just let's, let's think about ESPN. ESPN doesn't create any actual content necessarily i mean they're they're simply they're broadcasting and covering events that they don't own for instance the nfl and so they have a lot of jobs that they're creating but they're not manufacturing anything there's nothing that's actually going to be there and withstand the test of time is that sort of a microcosm in a way about our economy because the more manufacturing jobs that we don't have the less the less that we're going to be able to keep um, a solid foot as far as the world economy goes, because we're importing stuff in from China, we're importing stuff in from Beijing, you know, in mm-hmm. China and all these other places. Um, so how do we how do we sort of counterbalance that? Well, that's a, that's a lot to unpack there. So so let me first say there. I'm not too worried about things like robots replacing us because uh, I know it's slightly different than your question, but like yeah. there's always been uh, changes in technology and there's always been new jobs that have come along. Now, the people who made the old jobs may not map well to the new jobs, but in any case, what ESPN's doing is they're, they're creating some value add. And so by um, adding some, some commentary, some content, making it more entertaining, so they and, and you know America really excels at this. We're, we're a very strong entertainment industry. We're global leaders in, in movies and film. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's where the, the, the high high value jobs are. If, if you could work in production on that, you make much more than if you work uh, in, in, in a in a smaller manufacturing operation, something like that. So so the um, you know the jobs that were that were easy to automate 
has gotten automated. So mm. it's not just jobs going to China. It's also uh, better machinery, you know, manufacturing equipment to, to do some of the work for people. So, so you know, r- routine jobs are getting replaced. However, if you can if you can join the creative class, where you add value uh, in other ways, mm-hmm. you know, like a writer, sports commentator, you know, these. Uh, uh, just a business analyst, all these uh, lots of jobs right now for young people who uh, study manipulating data. The big data is so hot, you, it doesn't matter what your degree is in. If you just take six weeks programming class in it from a, from a, one of these boot camps, you can often get a, a very good paying job uh, in data analytics because you're you're trying to figure out what the pattern is to help your business make more money. So you know, that's a trying, good point. You need, to, you need to try to find ways to add value. And yeah, and and I don't have anything against people um, making money on other people's content and curating and adding value. And I guess that, you know, looking at the broader question about the economy, we're talking about wage growth. We're talking about putting more people to work. We're talking about how that affects the housing market in our communities. And for instance, you know, I understand just as an example that. Uh, Tennessee, one of our cities, and I'm not remembering exactly who, you know, is is in for potentially getting one of these new Amazon hubs, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that would be a great of great benefit to our state. Um, And and, and the fact is, I mean, and then then I think about and, and again, I'm asking you to take off your economist hat maybe for a minute and just like give us a little what's your opinion off the cuff type of uh, thing. And I only have a minute left in the segment. It went from three to one minutes, just all of a sudden. But, um, you know, the the chairman and CEO, the founder of Amazon, I think he's worth, you know, like $32 billion. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just a commoner here. Could he not have taken a few billion of those dollars and increased his his wages across the board? Well, that would be nice. He doesn't. (laughs) He won't do it unless he needs to, right? So I, I think you really just like talking about ESPN. I, I'm getting, I'm getting a feeling you're uh, an addict. <laughs> what now? <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> the, you're, you're you, uh, you were uh, uh, an ESPN addict, I suspect. Yes, <laughs> yes, maybe questions, addicted yeah. to sports. Well, I, well, I just, I look at that type of venue and I try to, I try to figure out how a company makes money, and they, they don't, they don't own anything. They don't own. They don't own anything. So you know they don't own the NFL. They simply cover the NFL. They don't own the NCAA. They simply simply cover it. So I just right. try to figure out how do companies make money. And the fact is, it's a small portion of the population of people that are employed. But we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. DeFranco right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Thank you for joining us. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com, 1-800-489-8910. We have Dr. DeFranco here with us on the phone. And he has uh, given us a lot of good information thus far, and we're going to continue this conversation with him. Um, he he actually writes for us um, the Housing and Mortgage Market Review. 
um, brought to us by um, ArchMI. Um, it's actually he is the global chief economist, mortgage services, Arch Capital Services, I guess is the name. And we're thankful for um, his help in giving us more information. And, and I, I know you have a team of people over there that help you create this. It's not it's not just you, or is it just you? Well, I write it. I have uh, two people that report to me that help me do analysis, and mm-hmm. we we do a lot of work internally. So I work in I work closely with our risk management group. We we design stress scenarios try to understand uh, what could happen to our portfolio mortgages in, in the downturn. And you're, you're sort of an autonomous um, entity from ArchMI. I mean, you guys are putting together some fantastic information, and then your partners use that to you know help forecast. I mean, this is what it is. You're, you're forecasting, and, and, and the, the news is very positive, but you, and you correctly pointed out, that you were one of the first people out in front of that 2007, 2008, um, what did we call that recession or the great, great, recession. The great, great recession? Right. So, so how, how does that work? I mean, you get, I'm sure once you publish this, are you just getting phone calls from every realtor and mortgage person around? We definitely get some, some, uh, interest from, 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 uh, people who read it. Also, uh, the media picks it up. So we get, we get a lot of reporters that, uh, you're talking uh, to a couple. <laughs> just kidding. No, well, that's good. So, so um, we really try to give some useful commentary and long-term perspective on the housing market for anybody in the industry. And so, right. and it's free. It's, it's on the website. We also have some charts on our website of recent home price changes and and how we think home prices are relative to their long-term norms for mm-hmm. your area. So, so for Knoxville, home prices look perfectly in line with historical norms for price-to-income ratios. So, yeah. so basically, home price relative to um, per capita income, and I like I like the fact that you do have the you know the, the the different you know last year to this year and what the projection is. Um, and we know from our last couple of guests, Tom White and also Holly McRae, is that even within a market, you have different neighborhoods and and even different areas that are performing better than others. And do you dial down to you don't dial down into neighborhoods, do you? You just dial down into cities, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. That and that works. and that gives you a good baseline, and then you can go talk with your Holly McRae, your you know your realtor that might want. Okay, well, Whittington Creek, I want to sell this house. Um, so, and, and your your publication is not just for mortgage lenders, right? Oh no, it's for anybody who's interested. You right. Know, there's no. Um, you don't need a password or anything to download it. You just go to the website. And- um, archmi.com and under the uh, news and, and um, press releases, there's there's the, the hammer. So and then you can also, uh, I guess it's archmi.com slash hammer h a m m r. So you leave out the e. Um, archmi.com slash h a m m r. It's going to give you the risk the risk index link. That's where the 401 cities. Um, the values and the risk indexes. Mark, you had a question. Well, yeah, because we were talking about this as far as the home prices nationally and and what they they do in your publication, Doctor Franco. You mentioned about the home prices are not as high as they seem, and I was wondering if you could explain that because all over the place sure. they keep on saying, "Oh, we've recovered from the Great Recession. We've recovered from the Great Recession." But you have a sure. different angle on this. Well, that's because inflation has been like 20% since the recession. So once you adjust for inflation, home prices nationally are still 10% below their prior peak. 
And I wow. think a lot of people would say, but but inflation levels are near zero or one. Uh, so what are the two different type of inflations you're looking because at? Because they're stripping out all the main important things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. No, no, it, 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 it varies by year it's, it's, uh, and by month. And there's a bunch of different measures of it. So it's, it's very complicated. You know, it's, it's a, bit of a bit of a stew. It's, it's low enough to where you can ignore it. Uh, in general, but if it, it's been running like two percent, one and a half to two percent a year, so over ten years that that adds up. And then also wages have been increasing, admittedly modestly over time. But when you take that into account, home prices really aren't aren't expensive relative to what they've what they've been in the past. Plus, we have near record low interest rates that the the Federal Reserve has basically said we're going to raise. So this is you know it, things are only going to get more expensive from here, in my opinion, in part because. We have interest rates that are headed up, and we have a very strong job market. But the thing we haven't talked about is there's a shortage of housing, too. There's just a very mm-hmm. tight uh, supply of, of um, homes out there for sale and also very few ones that are getting built, less than the demand. And so you add all that up, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's no way it's a bubble. It's, home prices are, are, if anything, cheap and headed, headed higher. Now, are there some markets like Nashville, for instance? I think I read somewhere where they're yeah. they're increasing at a hundred people per day. Um, does that not set up a potential right. bubble, though? Even if you're, yeah. what you're saying is true, there st- still are markets that are at risk. Yeah, I'm torn on Nashville. It's it's uh, I do love it so, so it's hard it's hard to, to uh, view it objectively since I view it as it, it, it is is more of an entertainment district, a, a sort of a Las Vegas for that. For, the East Coast more than more than it used to be in the yeah. past, and so uh, you know they've they've had record numbers of tourists coming in. They've had um, there there is there's some auto manufacturing. It's a, it's a bigger. Uh, it's always been a great entertainment hub for country music, but that's gotten stronger. So there's reasons why it's doing well. It is uh, it is prices are going up among the highest in the country there. It's over 10% last year, which is disturbing. So obviously wages are probably up 2-3%. So that's 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 not good. But um, you know, I think the question is can the builders respond fast enough? And it could it could be uh, that uh, prices are going up too rapidly just because there's a lag between what builders can do. Right, it takes right. take some time to build a house, and so so some of these home price growth, it, it's not sustainable. It can't keep going up ten percent a year. It's, it should it should reasonably grow a couple of percent a year, but it's not been doing that lately. But it, it seems it's got to calm down, and I hope it hasn't overshot on the upside. But um, time will tell. I was noticing in your in some of your numbers, uh, I guess under the Americans America's hottest housing markets, and you right. do have Nashville listed there up at the top, yep. and. The increase in population um, through the one year is two percent, which definitely ranks amongst the highest. And then you, when you factor in that you have two percent increase in population, two and a half percent or um, employment increase, mm-hmm. um, you would hope that the housing supply would be increasing at that same level. But the fact is, it's really not correct. Yeah, no, because it comes with a lag. There's a shortage of builders. There's a shortage of mm. reasonable lots. Builders complain of um, higher government hookup fees or, or city and uh, county utility hookup fees to, build, to get lots. It's, 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 you know, there's there's also... Lack of skilled workers, I think. Did you mention that? That's another... Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a lack of skilled workers. There's uh, And... and, uh, and um, so the so the, the the builders haven't been building fast enough, mm-hmm. uh, but eventually they can catch up, and that that's where home prices are more at risk. So I, I prefer I would say it's very safe in Knoxville just because it's not overbuilt. 
and, and uh, but Nashville is sort of a special case. It's got it's got this high, it's got a bit of a boom light going on, and the question is, uh, you know, it's a tug of war between the strong new demand and the supply, and it's it's, it's that's, that's a little bit fuzzier as to where that's going to pan out. But it does, as you mentioned, the population growth is three times the national average, so mm-hmm. it is definitely a booming city. Yep. And there's jobs are there. That's why people are moving there. The, the job growth is really strong. So as long as those dynamics are in place, it's okay for it to have higher home prices. And, and, and uh, but you you had mentioned that the builders aren't keeping up with it, and of course we've seen mm-hmm. that in the past. How have the hurricanes affected in the, this right. last quarter sure. that particular yeah, it's problem? Made it even, yeah, it's made it even worse because they, they uh, it drove up the cost of of roofing materials, of windows, all that sort of thing, of uh, particle board, all the things you need to restore a house that's been hurricane damaged is the same, same stuff you need to build a new house. So there's, mm-hmm. and, and the factories were running um, tight. They, they do just-in-time production, so they, they don't have a lot of inventory lying around. So when you suddenly need a new, you know, um, 100,000 houses are damaged in Houston, you, that suddenly now creates a bottleneck, plus yeah. some of the same construction uh, workers that would, be used for, that would be building new homes have, have gone down there to work temporarily for restoration. So... Definitely not good for. Uh, and you factor in, you factor in too, Doctor Tavranko. You know, if you recall, I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you did. Um, I guess it was a year ago. I don't remember when was it that that Gatlinburg saw the severe fire. It was last year. Was it last year around this yeah. time? I mean, yeah. and I mean, there were literally hundreds of homes that were that were destroyed. Certainly right. not to the same level of you know Hurricane Harvey or um, mm-hmm. the other one. But uh, yeah. I mean, it, it all goes back. You have a supply and demand issue with housing. Yes, right, that's right, true. Yeah. But then, even if you look from a more micro perspective, you have a supply issue with with just building material, and not just building material, but skilled workers. And on top of that, you have to have people who are going to be the contractors. And so, we're going to actually jump on that issue and topic when we get back because I'd like to talk to you from a broader perspective what it is that we can do in educating our uh, builder force out there. We're going to continue this conversation right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. You can find out more about our sponsor at MIGonline.com. And we'd also love for you to go to thehousinghour.com and learn more about our guest, Dr. Ralph DeFranco. And you can look at past shows current shows and series that you might be interested in sharing. We'd love for you to do that. And we do have the good doctor here with us today, making a house call, if you will, no pun intended. Dr. DeFranco, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate you. Yeah, happy to be here. Absolutely. And we were talking a little bit before we went to break, and we were talking about builders and building homes Mm -hmm. and the lack of supply that's out there, and we were trying to unpack a little bit. And, of course, I think one of the reasons that we might have a shortage in new construction is because banks are not as lenient 
as it relates to building spec homes as they were just a few short years back. And I don't know if that's something that you have some insight in, but that's definitely an issue because, you know, you had builders back in 2006, 2005, they'd go ahead and build a whole subdivision and just say, all right, where, where are we, where do we start? And I, I have seen that. I've seen three neighborhoods within about a two mile radius of my home, maybe five mile radius. And they are, they're building, I don't know where they're getting the funds. I guess they're sort of a, um, you know, a well-known builder. I do know that. And maybe they have a little bit more credentials, but how do we help that problem um, get right. o- overcome? Yeah, no, that, it, it, it's it, one of the top question, uh, top problems lenders are facing. Uh, banks have been hesitant to lend to, to help develop lots mm-hmm. because the regulators are all over them. Mm-hmm. They consider it high risk loans, so that, so they have to the banks have to hold high amounts of capital on it, and the regulators mm-hmm. uh, put so much pressure on them. They, they just they want to um, either cut back or, or or are afraid to expand in that area. In fact, small business lenders, small small bank lenders have been cutting back over the last year. Which is a problem because they're the ones that really know how to work with with local builders. So, this is a huge problem. I think the regulators need to, just need to um, take a deep breath and realize it's not the end of the world. Take a chill uh, pill, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the deregulation uh, push in Washington hasn't made it yet to the bank regulations. Right. The, the, they have the memo hasn't made it out. So, uh, so that's one problem. Uh, another problem is just. Um, Lack lack of workers, you know, uh, it's 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 a not a not a very well kept secret that let's, I've seen one estimate that twenty percent of construction workers are, are uh, legal immigrants. Mm. So twenty percent uh, harder for them to, to wow. work on these these projects now. Less of them interested in coming here. Another thing is is the average age of construction workers has gone up, so it's harder to get young people interested in in, in the hard work of uh, of construction. And so um, I think some home builder association had a survey of young people saying, well, what, we, what would it take to get you to consider a career in construction? What would we have to pay? And the answer was like, we, you can't pay me enough. Like, there's exactly. no, no way we're going to do it. This so, is going to my point, doctor, about how, you know, millennials, let's face it, millennials, they're the the Nintendo, the Xbox 360, the Xbox One generation, and they would much rather go out there and not manufacture something and get paid for you know, whatever it is that, you know, commenting on or curating other people's work. And they're not interested in going out there and getting, you know, calluses on their hand. I just put a basketball goal together for my son and daughter just the other day. And it took me about three times longer than the average man. And I promise you that, you know, I would, I would not want to do that for a living. And so I get it. Um, But that's really, like you said, that's the gap that we're going to see. And and don't you think that's going to continue to grow? Besides, it's hard to text your friends nonstop when you're working on a roof. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, yeah, or you'd be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can't Snapchat from uh, the roof. Yeah, so that's an issue. There, there's, there's, uh, I don't see this turning around. I think it's going to continue to lead to shortage in housing. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of people saying, well, maybe it's time for prefab or bringing in automation or some robots. construction robots. I, 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 you know, I don't see it. The construction... People leading the construction view themselves as craftsmen. They, they, they like, you know, it's, it's better to have custom made in their mind than a thousand the same house, the cookie cutter, where the boards are pre-cut somewhere else. Uh, it's, it's just that's just not how it's done. Um, and that's the, it's, it's one of the few sectors in the U.S. economy where productivity has been flat for 20 or 30 years mm-hmm. and has even actually declined. So construction is, is not um, 
become more productive, and that, that's the problem. Well, then you have this other question, too, which it, it goes to the materials. Because I almost feel like I could go to, let's just say, Whittington Creek. Just as, This is a neighborhood that's in Knoxville. I could find a home over there, and I could find one for probably mid-level, probably around 500000 I mean, it's a, ni- it's a nice home, a very nice home. Now, you take that same floor plan and you take that mm-hmm. same set of material list and the same amount of space and the, and the same amenities and all that. And as a matter of fact, you're not even going to get the same amenities because they have great ones. And then you go out there and you find a builder that's going to build you something just like that on a lot that doesn't have the same amenities. It's going to cost you more to build that new home mm-hmm. than it would to go in and find an existing home. The problem is those existing homes aren't on the market either. Well, the price has been going up fast on them, so at some point that'll change, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, 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 the builders typically target uh, higher-end homes, right? in part because it's easier for those people to get mortgages because the mortgage market's also uh, overly tight. Not just not, it's not just the builders that are having trouble getting bank loans, but some borrowers as well. And so the builders have targeted more of the high-end, and so home, price grow, home prices have been growing even more rapidly in the entry-level home market. So right, it made, it grew, home prices were up 5% last year in Nashville. If I had to guess, they were probably up 7 8% in the, the smaller entry-level starter homes mm. and had been for year after year. And so and that's, just, there's not much there. The other thing that's interesting that's going on is there's less people moving out of those starter homes for, for, to upgrade. So the people who, uh, you know, people have been staying in their homes longer and longer than they used to. And so if you're not doing, if you're not flipping up to a higher quality house, you're sort of hogging up some of that um, entry-level marketplace. And then and another issue is there's actually been, at least nationwide, some large investors that have actually bought uh, a meaningful number of homes, single-family homes, and are using them as rentals. So mm-hmm. there's so a lot of the, uh, you know, but let's say 5% of the U.S. housing stock has switched from owner-occupied to rental over the last five or six years both from companies and individuals owning them. And that's taken those homes out of the, the first-time homebuyer market for buyers because they're, right. they're not coming back on the market. They, they make so much money as rentals, they're, 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 they haven't gone on, they, they, they've, been, they've been kept as rentals. Yeah. So. Let me ask you this. Demographically, um, mm-hmm. we have the baby boomers that are getting older. I'm on the tail end of the baby boomers. So oh, really? my brothers and sisters are much older and they're heading toward retirement. They're talking mm-hmm. about scaling back, going from the big McMansion down to the you know, the one level thing, the McNugget, the McNugget. That's exactly right. So how does that, I mean, how does that factor into this? Because this isn't that far off of our future horizon. True. Right. You know, opinions on that differ. So I haven't figured this one out. There is, uh, there are surveys of, of people, uh, and that basically make it very clear that the vast majority of people want to age in place. They don't want to, uh, give up their large house. You know, it's nice having that extra room for when the kids come to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is the condos downtown cost as much as the house they're selling. So it's not exactly like you're saving money by, by selling, going from having all the space down to a smaller space. And then it's, you know, it's maybe not as clean. It's not maybe not as maybe noisier and so on uh, if you move downtown. So it's not, you know, it's not obvious to me. Uh, I mean, some people, yes, some people are downsizing, selling their homes and moving to lower maintenance places like a condo. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be a major major trend or not. That's, that's, I'm not clear on that. Well, and Mark, um, as far as we talked about this, and I can't remember what guest it was that we were talking with them about it, but we were talking about how 
different generations are in the housing market more than other generations. And we were talking about whether or not the baby boomers or the millennials or, or whatever you want to call the millennials. Um, and then there's one in between there too. I think they're calling it. I can't remember. Generation what. X. Yeah. yeah. Well, generation X. Yes. But there's one in between that. I can't remember. They called it something, but regardless, the millennials are buying at the lowest rate in the history of the world. Um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. United States for sure. Right. And, and that's, that's pro- probably, um, partly because their parents were telling them, look what happened to us in 2008. You need to wait. There, there's a, they, they're calling what we right. have right now a housing bubble. And yeah, it, I wish they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, there's, there's way too much fear about uh, investing in housing. It's, it's a great investment. This is the time to do it. Interest rates are only going to go up. Home prices are only going to go up because there's a shortage. There's populations growing. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know I don't I don't see it. It's not a bubble by by any uh, reasonable measure of of, uh, of bubble because bubbles are when prices disconnect from fundamentals. The fundamentals yeah. are strong. We have we have we have the people and we have the jobs. So what you know the the, um, the millennials part of the reason the numbers look bad on home ownership rates is just because they uh, they're getting married later and having children later. And yeah. So that that normally pushes out when you feel like you really need to have a grass backyard, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and, and the other thing is it was hard for them. It, the last 10 years were a terrible time to start a career. Now, the last couple of years, the job market's getting good. But, you know, if you go back five years, it was that they, they were not getting good jobs. The, 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 their parents' generation, uh, the, the baby boomers, did better coming out of school than, than the millennials did yeah. uh, on average. And so... That's held them back, but now the job market's improving. So, I'm, I, and, and surveys suggest the millennials do want to own homes, and so, and, and they're not all just wanting to be downtown. Um, they're, they're, millennials are moving at equal rates to the suburbs and exurbs, and mm. uh, downtown is other well, generations. So, that's well, our serve, our survey says we're out of time in this segment. Oh. So, hold on right. one moment. We're going to continue this conversation right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. We have Mark Griffith with us, our executive producer and co-host. If you'd like to have Mark out to do a birthday party, he does balloon animals Mm -mm. and speeches. (laughs) And he's also our Pinterest guru as well. So if you'd like to have a social media class. I do seminars on Saturday. You do seminars on Saturday. And that's cool. So anyway, we're talking about housing, a more serious subject. And we had Dr. Ralph DeFranco with us. And he has uh, been kind enough to take some time to give us some information about some of the research that he's been doing. And I'm almost sure, I'm positive um, doctor, that you are doing research 24-7, 365. And we were talking about millennials before we got off into the last break. And I wanted to ask a question because the home affordability sort of index that you put on in your Hammer report, which can be found um, at, at our website, um, housinghour.com, will link to your website. Um, but the home affordability index, to me, it seems like you know, it's going up and, and not in a good way. 
Um, right. Am I misreading that? Or I mean, of no, course, no, it's definitely, yeah. it, affordability is definitely getting worse because home prices are going up so fast, right? right. So, right. so home prices in Knoxville up five percent last year, same the year before. Nashville up ten percent. Well, incomes are growing two percent. So yeah, the affordability is getting worse, mm-hmm. and interest rates have been trending up the last two months. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, and uh, so, but. Affordability compared to the average over the last twenty years, it still seems reasonable. It's not out of whack. It's not it's by no means crazy like it was um, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 um, it's only going to get worse because of the shortage of housing. I, it's it's not it's not going to it's not going to improve in the mm-hmm. near term. Um, the, the somebody waiting for for a housing correction is going to be sadly disappointed. Right. So how about the feds? Um, the, you know they've been having some. Uh, the short-term interest rates increase. The discount points been increased. Are are they going to do this again in, in December? How is that affecting the market overall, or is it mm-hmm. a non-starter? The market's anticipating they are going to raise it again, and there's at least two or three more coming next year. So, the the you know we have negative real interest rates. So so if you take those interest rates and, and subtract off inflation, that's actually been negative, which is crazy given how strong the, the job market is. It's it's in part because it's a global interest rate. Money flows here from from uh, Japan and Europe when they're they're stimulating their weak economies. So we've been sort of uh, benefiting from having lower interest rates than we should have over the last couple of years. However, their economies are starting to grow now, so you're, they're they're starting to do better, and that was sort of what's um, turned interest rates around over the last couple of months. They've been they've been trending up uh, globally. Yeah. And that's likely to continue. I, I think too, with the fact that rates are so low, I mean, it's it's almost ridiculous. I mean, we're talking they're about abnormally we're low. talking they're about abnormally. rates at four or below on a thirty-year right. fixed mortgage. If you're talking about a fifteen-year mortgage, well, yeah, you're in the threes. So I, I just don't understand. In my mind, I think okay, well, the, you know, everybody talks about the refinances, you know, the, the refinance boom. Yes, it, it's no longer with us. However, if I could somehow tap those people on the shoulders that still need to get off the fence, mm-hmm. I mean, I would spend a, a millennial just trying to just do that. So yes. I, I don't know whether or not we have done a good enough job communicating to people, hey, you still need to take that opportunity. Because, look, I'm of the Dave Ramsey um, school of thought. If you have a 30-year fixed, maybe at 5.5%, and you think, nah, I don't need to do anything because I can't. Well, why don't we take that 5.5% rate, turn it into a 3.5% rate on a 15-year. You've been paying on for seven years. We could actually make your payment stay the same, and you're going to pay it off about 12 years quicker. So I don't know how we educate. It's partly if we could get these kids off of the off of the Game Boys and the Xboxes for 10 or 15 minutes to explain this to them. But there's a real opportunity there where they could actually take that money that they would be saving per month and use it to pay off their student loans, which there's a huge problem there. Because right, right. I don't, I don't you know, know. It's all, like all they need to do is look at some of these calculators that say like how long right. uh, rent versus buy decisions. Right. It's usually like after a year and a half in Knoxville, some mm-hmm. of these calculators are saying that like you're way better off buying. Just if you're gonna, if you're long as you're in the property for for more than a year and a half, which is nothing, then you're better off buying it. But because then, rents are going up. Yeah. But there's people out there that magnify it. They're magnifying and they're looking at. Wait a minute. Hold on. You also have the insurance cost. You also have the the taxes. You also have, you know, all of these other ancillary services. You know, garbage pickup and all this stuff. But 
I st- I know you're telling the truth. I'm just saying people need to factor right. in all of that stuff. And talk about well, a mortgage fact- broker. A mortgage broker will tell you if you qualify. I mean, it's worth it's worth having the conversation if you haven't had it. You're right. And uh, t- t- talking about that, mm-hmm. what about uh, these other factors that Im- impact everything? What about the retail sector? It's my understanding. I haven't really looked at it, but it, that's not so strong as far as mm-hmm. the retail uh, consumer. Is that true? And how is that well, affecting things? Consumers are still buying, but they're buying more online. So, so if you work in retail, you know, Macy's has been show, shutting down stores and so on. Is, is that what you're referring to? For yes. There yes. we go. There's the millennials that don't even want to get off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Pick on millennials. They're, they're, we have a producer as a millennial. So they're less likely to smoke, less likely to uh, mm-hmm. get, oh. get teen pregnancy and so on. They're, they're, they're doing great as a group. But the... Um, uh, yes, retail is, is having problems. It's 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 tough to compete with with cheaper and and at, at, at your door service. Uh, you know they're having they're having drones deliver people's food for heaven's <laughs> sakes. And I mean seriously, and and you know Kroger's and Food City, some of these bigger, they're now um, providing a web service, which I think is smart, and then they'll deliver it to your house. Amazon b- bought um, Trader Joe's or somebody uh, big, uh, wholesale. Uh, yeah, I think that. I also. think that I think that Amazon is on the cusp of buying America. I think so. <laughs> so they just sure. got a deal. They just got a deal with a bunch of apartment buildings to put delivery boxes in the lobby of the apartment building. I mean, talk about perfect. That is perfect. But what does that do to the Oak Ridge Sporting Goods of the world? And you know, Oak Ridge Sporting Goods, Lisa and Bill Witt, yeah. they owned it for 40 Ever. years. And mm-hmm. the Amazons of the world put them out of business. And they, yeah. they employed probably 40 workers. And then you look over here, you had um, uh, Chips Wholesale mm-hmm. Hardware over here on yeah. Middlebrook. He's no longer able to do business because Home Depot. So this is just a wave of the future. Now, Amazon, when are they going to take a, They might come out with a Home Depot online store that might put Home Depot out of business that will deliver yeah. the materials to your job site. Who knows? Yeah. Economists call it creative destruction. It's just there's always, there's always growth, growth means somebody's losing somewhere. It's just mm. how it goes. And then, you know, what's going to happen is that they're going to build these robots and it's going to be, it's like going to be man against robot. And we're going to have World War Three man against robot. Sorry to get off the, the positive subject. look for Saturday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Terminator. Skynet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but the, let's, let's wrap up what we've talked about, because in all seriousness, everything's very positive and things are really looking good for not just the millennial, but the Gen X, for the baby boomer, for, for all these different generations. Things are very positive on many fronts. Gas prices are low. You have great interest rates right now. The home affordability is better than it's been in a long time. Um, the uh, inflation is staying sort of at an even keel um, you have interest rates on home equity lines. I mean, we're talking about them going up, but they're still incredibly low. I mean, all these things are very positive, aren't they, Doctor? Mm-hmm. Housing market's a great time to buy. It's, it's still strong, and and the shortage of supply means it's only going to get worse. Mm, that's <clears throat> that's true. And people who are out there that are listening that are on the fence about putting their house on the market, look, guys, if you have a house between a hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand, it will sell within one week. I think. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. you'll get a contract on it within one week. From two fifty to four hundred, it might also get. It's not going to take long, especially if you have a home that's in an, a nice part of town, or even not, but is in a good situation. 
It's a great situation, and I think uh, now is the time. I think that's what I love about his report. We're going to have it online at thehousinghour.com, so you can look at it, and you can see how the housing prices right now, it's a good deal. Mm -hmm. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have any other closing comments, Doctor? Um, I think you've made your case, and the Hammer Report just hammers it away, but do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us? No, I just wanted to thank you for your time. Absolutely. And where are you based out of? I'm outside of San Francisco. Oh, outside of San Francisco. Gotcha. I bet you it's, is it, is it nice? Have you got good weather this, this week? Uh, yes, it's starting to, it's sunny, but it's starting to cool off. So. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Well, you enjoy your day. And again, thank you so much, doctor, for coming in. Dr. Ralph DeFranco, Hammer Report. Find it on thehousinghour.com. Thank you so much. Take care. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.